Welcome to the Small Business Podcast. We bring you weekly information, practical skills, and mentorship from industry professionals. This podcast is powered by T, an initiative that has directly impacted over 50,000 plus small businesses nationwide. This podcast is for small business owners who want to start, run, and grow their business. Follow us on all our social media platforms. Hashtag join us for tea. Every Wednesday is a new podcast. Good afternoon, good day, um, good morning, depending on where you're listening to the podcast today and wherever you're listening to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. I mean, episode 18 today, the Small Business Podcast. And we're super excited because, I mean, last week we kicked off with an amazing gent. Um, and I guess symbolic kicking off the first week of, um, sorry, kicking off the first week of February on the first day. Um, with an amazing lady, um, Tulile Kanyile, who's a scientist, social entrepreneur, and global speaker. I mean, I met this amazing lady years ago, and we just headed off on some um, program we're we're doing mm. for for one of the governmental or government institutions or agencies. And she's an amazing lady and everything science, but everything unscience <laughs> and making. And I think one of the things I've always known about her was just trying to find not even trying they found amazing ways through her personal brand through her organizations to make science fun to make you know science and technology fun and to incorporate it and adopt a lot of young amazing people um, to change the perceptions of what science is so ladies and gentlemen join me in welcoming Tulile Kanyil man I still say I need that <laughs> Hand clap <laughs> emoji thing sound effect on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, B. Yeah. So, so, my, so you probably, yeah. To, to you guys who are listening, I mean, you guys who are watching will probably say, from my angle, it seems like you're wearing a veil. Oh, <laughs> so, how are you, Tuli? I mean, just, I think, just by way of introduction, um, just tell us who you are. And we are happy. Where are you from? Yeah, so like B has said, I am Tulile, but you know, I'm Tuli. I'm from originally from Durban. I um I'm a scientist, like he said, at least that's what I do. I'm in the sciences, I am in social entrepreneurship, and recently also podcasting as well. Um, but yeah, the essence of it is is that um, all things science, all things uh, making it fresh and relatable and accessible to people who previously didn't necessarily or still don't have access to science and technology and engineering and now even innovation as it were so yeah in a nutshell i mean when i met you um she boldly said i'm the lady who's got the cure for aids i'm just figuring it out <laughs> but in the lies. next couple of years i'm gonna roll it out i mean how so okay cool so here you are in the science fraternity right how'd you get in and when did it click that this is what you wanted to do Look, I mean, I think initially I had thought I wanted to be a medical doctor, right? And um, I was waiting for my results and, and, and I didn't, I never got into medical school. Um, so I would then do a, what was called almost a first year um, BSc program that would, that would enable you to then apply to medical school. Um, but while I was doing that program, I just realized that 
there's being a medical doctor and then there's the support structure of the whole medical system um, in its entirety. And I mean, if you think about the medical system and you think about the health system, there are people, there are drugs, there's medication, there's understanding uh, viruses, there's understanding how things actually work. And I think I fell more in love um, with the discovery side of medicine. So the bug caught me around 20 uh, 10 or 2009 and then in 2011 I would find myself at the CSIR which is pretty much the largest multi-trans intradisciplinary um, science research place um, in the continent so it bit me then and yeah the rest I suppose is is a little bit of a history yeah but now just Maybe let's just trade a little bit back, right? I mean, what are some of the early influences that helped build you up? I think as a lady, first and foremost, right? Mm. Because I think one of the things that have always jumped up, um, jumped, jumped out to me about you is your level of confidence, your level of courage. Now, I say that on the backdrop of I've met a lot of amazing women, Right, mm-hmm. amazing in their own right, in boardrooms, in in social gatherings, in you know, in meetings and the sort. And now, the one of the biggest things that have that are that that has saddened me is that most of the time these are innovative women that are have got cutting edge, innovative ideas that have driven multinational organization and national corporations, right? But you always find them sidelined. Do you find them in the backdrop mm-hmm. of what is well, what is needed to happen? And I think the conversation I've always had with them is, why don't you just raise your hand up a little bit? higher why don't you just fight Mm. for your space because everything here is as a result of you Mm. what were some of the early influences that sort of guided you and said well you've got a place and you belong sure i didn't actually know that's what you thought of me thank you b (laughs) (laughs) um i think for me uh my 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 influences really uh my family i think my dad is a very strong feature in my life um, that dude's like my absolute mate. Um, and I think, you know, um, the encouragement to have a voice, to be able to debate things at home um, is not conventional, particularly in, in, in black families, you know. But for, for me growing up, even to this day, my dad and I will have an argument or a debate, as it were, about the state of affairs or it could be anything. But that has always been encouraged. And I think also the militancy in my dad being a policeman is such that you have to take accountability for the things that you do and the things that you do, you do for you because it's your life. So you must take ownership of your life. If you want something, you must go and get it. So essentially from that perspective, I think it's a lot about my father. And I think from my mom's perspective uh, or my mom's side, I mean, I'm third, fourth generation graduate at home. um, And my maternal side is very feminine. It has a ton of very independent, very bold women that within the spaces that they are in, they do tend to want to dominate and they tend to want to be heard, whether it's at church, whether it's in their workplaces. So I think between my dad and the very heavy, um, independent thinking um, um, side of my of my of my maternal side, I think I would then come out the way that I have. Um, yeah, yeah. Now just. So you've done a lot of work, right? And I think I'll sort of touch on the organization after this with a lot of young people 
what what do you th- what do you sort of feel the perception the misconceptions are around what science is and you know some of the inhibitants that you know don't necessarily need to be that that we i guess as parents we as government officials as corporations could sort of set out a way to allow for more younger aspiring scientists to come into the fold yeah i mean i think there are a lot of things that are uh, are, are, are tangible, right? And we can talk about uh, some of the factors that contribute to success in STEM being having um, seen a person that is in the STEM fields before. Um, it's uh, resources, um, uh, financially, um, experimental stuff, uh, so infrastructure. Um, but there's also this perception that it it's not uh, friendly, like it's not sexy to be a scientist mm, or mm. it's not, um, there's just like this this, this whole, it's a difficult uh, space to be in and you need to be this super smart person to be a scientist, which is actually not true. Uh, or scientists actually don't, don't make money. People don't see scientists driving around in big cars, etc. You know, so I think there are there, there are a lot of of things, but but in the main way kids are concerned, it's or where the education is the education system is concerned, it's that they've made science such a far fetched thing. They've made it so inaccessible. They've made it so difficult to um to apply. They've made it something more theoretical than it is f- physical and practical, you know? If I'm in class and I'm talking about how we're calculating velocity in grade seven or in grade nine, the last thing you want to be telling me if I am from a rural community is how um, if you drop something on the freeway as you are driving on the highway on the first fast lane. that You understand if I'm in a rural community, I, I, maybe I've never even seen a highway before. I don't know. Maybe at home they don't have a car. Now I'm being subjected to answer this thing based on having to use my imagination. But we could just say something different like if you're riding a bicycle or let's assume that a wheelbarrow was driving at this speed and you were with your friend you know there, there are ways of making it relatable there are ways of making it such that it is the problem solving tool that it is and not necessarily this far-fetched uh monster that needs david to throw a sling at you know yeah. Yeah. Now, do you would you then say that that is that was some of the influences? I think those challenges and those solutions that you sort of speak about were the drivers to you starting um, Gatuto. You know, because I think I mean, ever since you guys started in 2017, you've been able to impact over 40,000 young, amazing people. And I think I participated in quite a number of the programs and I mm-hmm. found your methodologies to be super unconventional because mm-hmm. they tapped largely and they drove largely a huge element of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And I found that as an enabler for them to be able to go out and start doing stuff and start enterprising in the community. Mm-hmm. You've created employment. And I think from a distance, just watch this organization that you guys start just shoot up (laughs) amazingly so right which is why you're such a huge inspiration but what were tell us a bit about Ngatuto you know what led to the start how did it start and how has the growth been for you Mm. so I think um, 
uh, for me, I mean, I, 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 I grew up, I think, very fortunate. You know, like I said, I'm a third generation graduate at home. So I grew up very exposed, you know, and, and always encouraged to sort of um, do things either than um, what was the convention in my home, which was more civic work, like teaching, et cetera, et cetera and policemen, policing, you know. So that's how I got into the sciences, venturing off into something slightly different. But as I grew up, I started to to realize that the opportunities that I have had were not necessarily uh, opportunities that a lot of people are getting. And especially people that look like me and perhaps come from uh, places that I grew up in and and frequent uh, frequented. I don't know if that's the word. Yeah. Um, when I was I was growing up, you know, um, and at the point where I started working at the CSIR, I was very fortunate to be able to do a lot of outreach. And what outreach did was 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 put me in 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 places where I had to motivate young people or high school kids to participate in STEM, you know? So when I was doing my masters and I met Sutandega, she had aspirations of Sutandega Mslangas, my 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 partner in the organization when I, when I met her she had such an, a heavy interest in production so when we both left the CSIR um she wanted to do a show um and she said well she's what she knows is science as well because she's a physicist and we came together to sort of um she invited me to speak at a uh, science expo that she was running close to her home um in um in the Pum- in Pumula side in the East Rand, and when we got when I got there, I mean I think everything just fit in together, and that day was almost like the pilot, you know, and we sort of understood what it is we needed to do that day to support these kids in being able to participate at the time in an external expo. Um, but when the kids that participated that day made it through to the regionals and one of them to nationals, uh, the school came back and said, I then we had to sit down and say, okay, fine, the XCOM Expo exists. How is it that we're going to be different? What do we know? And what we knew was research and we knew research quite well. But how do you make research attractive to young people or to the to 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 the average person that's not necessarily in the sciences? But also there are expos taking place, you know, all the time. How how do we differentiate ourselves? How do we offer something different? And this wasn't from a value proposition perspective at the time. I'd be lying if I said it was. It was just a matter of what is going to be fit for purpose for the communities that we serve, um, knowing that a lot of kids that do graduate, that do finish matric, don't actually end up in university. So what do you then teach them what skills do they need to be able to sort of participate in the economy and the growth of the economy as technology is taking over um, during this era. I mean, technology knowledge is taking over in this era. So what, what do we do to equip young people from rural and township communities to be able to perhaps stand a better chance to uh, propel themselves forward beyond, uh, beyond um, high school? And really, that's how it it, it, it it came about. Yeah, I mean, largely so. Entrepreneurship in and itself is is not glamorous, and requires a lot of chutzpah, right? <laughs> how did you how did you find ways of sort of maintaining your entrepreneurial sorry 
your entrepreneurial endeavors in check, your personal endeavors in check, and your career endeavors in check. And I think there's a narrative in and around this. There's a sort of no, not narrative, but a sort of a hanging question in and around: Is it possible to balance, or do we all just live in organized chaos? Um, look, I mean, I, I, I've sort of always been uh, the kind of person who was sort of all over the show, even in high school. Um, I'm very much a, a a person who, unlike most people, likes to start. You know, I like starting something. Um, so, and I and and I and, and I'm also quite okay with doing things that are seemingly unrelated. And the difficulty for a while was creating a singular story for the different aspects um, or the different fields or industries that I participate in. Yeah. So how does being a PhD student and a lecturer at WITS link into me podcasting uh, and being a content creator, but how does that link into me being a social entrepreneur and running um, a, a non-profit or, or a company, as it were? And the, the, the thing for me is, whilst it looks like they're different things, for me, they aren't. All of them are propelling um, STEM in ways that enable STEM um, to contribute to the economy and enable the diverse population of South Africa in its class and tribe and geography to be able to participate in STEM, you know, and its advancement. So uh, so really, while it looks like it's it's all different things, the, the the mission and the vision of it is all related. The rest is a, a a function of understanding what I know in pod to be able to create the content in podcasting, and who can assist me to be able to carry that content through, or what do I need to learn for my business to thrive? What business functions do I need to know? What don't I know? How do I advance that? What kind of advisors do I get? So the rest is a function of, of practicality. Now, you've won a number of awards, right? Um, all the way from the NYDA Youth Award 2017, the KZN Youth Achiever Award recipient, and there's quite a number of them, right? But at which award sort of stood out for you and felt like, sure, wow. Um, sure. So, so I, I got an award in 2015 and it was a national award in the sciences. So it's scientists being rewarded by scientists. So for me, I felt like that was um, acknowledgement for my capabilities to thrive and, and, and conduct research and conduct research well. And that was a local, a local one. Um, the Obama Foundation, the Obama leaders um, um, in Africa um, was really fantastic for me because it was from the front of um, really celebrating and acknowledging the work that I do as a social entrepreneur, you know, so the kind of impact that I've been able to make. And in, in 2018, I got that. And that was awesome because it was also an international award where you really are competing with um, amazing young people from all around the, the, the continent. Um, but of late, um, I just received a, a tech woman um, where you spend some time in Silicon Valley and that's coming up for me. And that for me is really awesome because now it's competing with, um, you know, um, leaders from 
from the Middle East even, you know, from countries like Kazakhstan and, sure. you know, and, you know, to be able to make make that uh, and, and be one of the 113 women selected from 4,600 applicants, I think for me is saying that beyond being regional, I think I think I've earned my my space in in in, in the international community um, of of STEM, yeah. Sure, and I mean that's wow. I mean that that's super inspirational, right? So I think just latching onto that. So you grow this business, you know. You guys have you guys have been able to raise, um, you know, funding. You guys have been mm-hmm. able to do super impactful work, right? Two questions construed into one at what moment in this whole journey whether it's at the start whether it's current whether it's in the middle do you feel like chassis i think this is just too much maybe i should just focus on my career oh all the time <laughs> like i don't even want to lie to you i think what people think um i i think for a very long time we see that non-profit organizations that really do make it in 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 the continent are those that are not of the continental origins mm. so you find uh, things like SAA or whatever, a lot of nonprofits that are not necessarily run by people that look like me and you, you know, and they make a killing. They're able to give people medical aid and et cetera, et cetera. So it's it, a lot of people think just because it's a nonprofit, it's a charity. And that's not the case. It's proper business functions when. Uh, a funder doesn't give you money. You forfeit your salary to be able to pay your employees. It's a lot of work, you know, and you still have to account to every single donor for every last cent that you've got, you know. So it's it's actually um, every day you're just like, ooh, you know, type of thing. <laughs> but I think the uh, the the need the 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 need and the gap for 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 the work that we do is so loud in the continent and in 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 in, in South Africa as well you know it's so loud we just can't stop it's not an option yeah and i think for me i mean you definitely shouldn't because i think i've you know, of of the work I've done with you, I think there's one or two. There's actually two students who still DM me till today <laughs> of their achievements, and I think that just speaks to um, creating the, the an ecosystem. Because what you guys have built up is an ecosystem, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> in and around the students, how they're able to interact with community, and mm-hmm. then how you guys sort of drive that, right? But latching on to the previous question, you know, at what point did you sort of feel like Shasti, man? I've made, I've whether well, I've made it or I'm making it, like. I'm killing this. Where I, I I think I'm never gonna feel like I'm making it, but I can tell you that when when we see our kids now being fourth year at university, or we see our kids sending us proposals for their own businesses, when we see Tebiso. Yeah. My word, when we yeah. see Tepiso <laughs> from Tembisa now going on to be able to spend eight months or a year um, overseas or Milton from Pulukwane having yeah. a certificate from the University of Pennsylvania through a program that we introduced him to. Um, or when we see our kids now graduating and starting companies or we see kids that we've taught how to code um, and, 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 and given them or prized them or given them prizes for their achievements in laptops. And we see those kids 
teaching themselves how to code and some of them are now making their own beats and selling the beats, you know, and you can just mm. see the, the the wiring that they are now in possession of. And when we speak about um, um, have we have we sort of um, made it n- not by a long shot, but I think what is encouraging is that they from where they come from with the backgrounds they have are making it. Now just give me now just give me an idea, right? What does a typical day look like? You know, you you're a you're a podcaster, sure. social entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Yes, man, you you've got this full on career. You in the even not even just a day, right? But I think that's too broad of a question. But what routine do you live by, if there's any that sort of just keeps your mind aligned and kicks off your day or just ends off your day? You know. I don't know if I have any other routine outside of um, this is what I'm going to do today. <laughs> sure. Yeah, this is what I'm going to do today. And I I, 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 I put down a, a list to say I have to. And, I, you know, like if you look at my diary, it's, it's, it's PhD. Then I have the things I have to do for my yeah. PhD. Then yeah. it's podcast, call this person, secure this guest, you know. Uh, move this to this date, you know, and then I've got my nonprofit stuff and you're talking about, you know, what what proposal you have to write to who, what kind of strategic partnerships you have to have. So I, uh, I be, be, and, I, and to be quite honest, without me, me continuously having in my head that everything I do is for the same cause, I really would go mad. Yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. would go mad. But I don't even want to lie to you. I don't have... I mean, I, I, there was a time where I used to work absolutely all the time until I realized it wasn't sustainable. This is about like two, three years ago and I realized it's not sustainable. So I need to get help. I need to... If I can do something, I'm going to do it. If 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 if, if I can't do it, I'm not going to do it. You know, um, there are more important things than life than, than, than meeting deadlines, funny enough. There's, mm. there's family, there's my health, there's my well-being, there's me going to the gym, there's me being a a, a, a a 30-something year old female who feels like she has to look good and I do my nail appointments and my lash appointments and my hair appointments. So all of all of that truly the person um, I've now put at the center of, of pretty much everything. And if truly isn't well, it, it's a disservice to everything else. So when I'm running around like a headless chicken, like I used to do before and working all the time, um, it doesn't service my beneficiaries yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Tuli, just give me an idea. So I don't know whether to even say at this point we've gone through a pandemic, but we're still in sort of a pandemic. But there was a there was a height to it, which was crazy, which was shocking and ridiculous. Mm. I mean, I think for me, it threw me back the first couple of months, seeing mm. emails just postponed, delayed, week declining. Mm. Postponed, delayed, declining. And then just going into the first three months of just frustration. Mm. To just this sort of somber attitude, um, how was it for you, right? Um, the first, the first week, because I didn't think it would. Well, I sort of knew it was going to go on for a long time, but I didn't think 
the lockdown was going to yeah. be for so long you know because being in 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 a viral in the industry of virology i mean we we know how how we know that viruses will mutate and we know that they'll change their behavior and they'll change how they interact with people and how people interact with the virus will change as well so we sort of knew from off the bat from the lab that oh this is going to be a while we put it at like about 2 to 3 years um but i didn't think the lockdowns were going to be so long so that was uber frustrating i I couldn't do anything actually for about 2 months. I was just like I don't know what to do. I'm I'm tools down, you know, and it's only after like 2 months or like about uh, a, a month or 6 weeks or so that I was like, "Hey, boo. Okay, this thing is not going anywhere. It's going to be the new norm. Let's let's figure things out. You know, what do I do? Cuz now I can't go into the lab for my PhD. At the time I hadn't started podcasting, but what we could do is continue running the program. We continued to run the Gatuto program. We 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 were able to um as soon as I think it was around June 2020 where they said, you know, people can now go out but not in masses and we try to put provide these our kids with devices so that we're able to run the program online. And we ran the program online um and we were able to do it as a very small team um and it was great you know it it was great in that we didn't have to to stop i mean of course uh, you know the economic implications of the lockdown um and covid itself are such that we would lose funding because a lot of our funders are maybe losing market share um so their dividends are maybe smaller so then means that they are perhaps reviewing as well their core funding strategies or they're not funding certain people anymore and we and 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 we got caught in that as well where we we lost our major funder during that time you know um so it was absolutely frustrating i don't want to lie very and how do you, how do you deal with rejection You know you move on hey <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to say that um, it's like it's so plain but um you move on now I think I've had so many rejections in my life it's like some, sometimes people like to say sure you know you're always getting these awards and mm. and I'm like for for each award that you see or for each international trip that i do or every conference that i do it's probably like 20 that said oh actually we think you suck you know what i'm saying or you're not the perfect fit you know but the reality of the matter is that um i i i, I think because i was bullied as well in primary school like <laughs> i was bullied quite a lot in primary school my parents had to sort of build my the confidence in myself at that particular point and have me learn that just because someone is saying something of you doesn't yeah. mean that you are that it is their perception of you and you've got no control over it and maybe you are applying for something you don't get it and my dad would say you tried you know you tried you're better than a person who didn't so for me that's that's the thing it's that i will always try it's almost as if the more no's i get the more yeses i look for I, sure. I, I, you know but i mean we we just we we you don't stay where you are and you you've got 
a, a goal and a mission that's known only to you and known only to, to God if it's been revealed to you that is the mission that you have. And there's not a single rejection from any living being or anything that could ever, that should ever deter you from what your mission is in life. And you must just, you know, cry about it, you know, for that, for I don't know how long people cry about things and be upset about it and, and re-strategize and, 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 and continue, get back on the horse. Are you sometimes caught off by the imposter syndrome where you find yourself in places with people that you've always just idolized? You know, I think my introduction to a gentleman, an amazing gentleman, right? A struggle star word, Bob Enrum Langen, was through you. Uh. So I sort of sit there and I'm like, do you ever sit there and pinch yourself like, what am I doing here? Right. And how do I sort of align my mind back to, I deserve to be here? So I don't, look at things from a position of deserving. Mm. I look at things from a position of um, singla. Mm. Yeah, bo? Um, I don't want to... I mean, sometimes I do question, hey, you know, like the Obama leaders, for example, they are ministers of, uh, you know, ministers of different countries and people who write for presidents in Kenya, you know, and you look at it and you think to yourself, sure, I wonder how I made it here, you know, <laughs> even now when I read the profiles of other tech women that I'm mm. going to the States with, I'm like, sure, these people are doing some hectic stuff, you know, yeah. But it it is it is it has never gotten me to a point where I've said, hey, I shouldn't be here. Mm. You know, it's mm. I, I I'm here now. Let's move. You know, what can I I learn from from these people? Who are they? Before I go into a room and I know who's gonna be there, I I I literally research people um quite a lot. Also because one of my one of my things is I don't I want to be in the room where I'm the least smart. Mm, mm. I want to be in the in a room where I'm least knowledgeable uh, because that's when I learn a lot and that's when I get the opportunity to be quiet because everybody in that room knows that hi Ilona she's just a student you know so but Bona they are like really big so it's like. I don't have the pressure to have the answers. As soon as I'm in a room and I have the pressure to have the answers, I know that, okay, I shouldn't necessarily be in these spaces a lot. Mm. You know, mm. I want to be in spaces where I am listening, where I'm asking the questions, um, where I'm doing the observing and not the other way around. And I, and I, I really do learn a lot from that. It really does mature me. So, um, I don't know necessarily about never fe feeling like I'm not deserving. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't now, know. Now, yeah. one of your many, um, of your many superpowers, right? <laughs> one superpower I've picked up about you is your amazing networking abilities. <laughs> this lady, I mean, something I've observed, right, through our interactions, through watching you interact with people. Where'd you get that from, right? And. Because I think, so I asked this question deliberate for the sort of professionals that are listening to this, the academics, the entrepreneurs, because networking is an important part of any career growth, right? Any entrepreneurial or business growth, right? How did you perfect it? 
in the way in which you've done it because I know for a fact you've perfected <laughs> it in how I've seen you engaging with other professors and doctors, entrepreneurs, you know, your stakeholders in an impeccable and amazing way. Um, so for me, so for me, I think everyone is a human being. Everyone from um, the people who help us in the lab um, to the people who help us in our homes to the president of a country. Um, everyone is a human being. And I think at the most basic level, people want to want you to connect with them as people, you know, and we can learn from from people everywhere. It doesn't matter what level they're at, you know, what industry they're in. So my approach to people is I want to know who you are. You know, mm. I want to know who you are. I want to greet you. I want to find out how many children you have if you if it's something that you're keen to talk about but really it's just I, I speak to people from the level of being a human being and that they are human beings as well and I've found that that assists me a lot I also don't I also don't ask people for stuff I try not to mm. ask people for stuff unless I absolutely absolutely have to I want to build relationships and understand who people are you know, and have them get to a point where they are interested in me without me shoving my profile in their faces, without them asking, because that's when your profile doesn't get read. So that's just, uh, yeah, I, I approach I approach it as it, it's, a, it's a person, it's a human being, and I want to connect with them. How do you, okay, do you have mentors? And if you do, how do you sort of identify who will mentor you in what and support you in what way? So I'm the CEO of my company and my company is my my first company is me. Yes. And I mm, understand I like, that. I like that. Continue, sorry. And I understand business functions. And I understand that for for a business to run, these functions must run. But there's no way that as an as an individual I understand and and can be in control of all of these functions, right? Mm. So then I go and I find out I find out where am I lacking? What do I need to do? Who knows how to do this? And the way I find out who knows how to do this is by talking about it. I'll say, I will meet you, B, and I'll be like, you know, I'm looking for a person who can, um, I don't know, like right now, for example, I'm looking for a person who could better curate my content for the podcast in the back on the back end. But I'm telling people that that's what I'm looking for, right? So chances are, if a person bumps into someone who does that, they'll come back and they'll say, well, Tuli is looking for that. And I take, I used the same stance with, with my mentors. I mean, I've got a mentor, uh, Dr. Kulumbata, who actually is the one that introduced me to Ubabum Langen. Yeah. And the way I found him was I said, I had just come back from um, Tanzania to understand some of the liberation strug struggle of South Africa and the connections with, 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 uh, with Tanzania. And I came back and I said, oh, I am clueless about the state of the country and I need to understand this political landscape because how do you function without understanding the political landscape of a country? And I deliberately said, I want a person who's in the political space and I'm going to find them and they're going to mentor me in understanding politics and the political climate. 
in as far as it relates to business and advancing my agenda in society. Or then I will say, um, I need a female who is in a very powerful position so that I understand how as a female you navigate um, in a male-dominated industry. So I'm specifically looking for a person who sits on boards and finds finds themselves to be the lone decision maker as a female. And I want to watch them move. I don't even have to speak to them. I just want to watch them move. Can mm. they allow me mm. to just watch them move and watch their demeanor and watch how they interact, you know, with the people around them? So it's very much linked linked to what I need at that particular time. And then I'm going to be very loud about it to the people I know until I find the perfect fit for that department of my business that needs to grow. Sure. Second last question. What, not necessarily what inspires you, right? But what inspirational advice or structural or strategic advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, if you had such, like that one thing you sit here, you're like, as if I did more of that. Oh, if you could just tune, not to necessarily say change your journey, but do more of this because you're stronger than that. Because I sort of feel like when I was young, I could have been more confident. I had a very low self-esteem, you know. I think I could be less critical of myself. I think I could be more relaxed, you know, less... Um, Less hard on myself. You know, I I even now tend to be very hard on myself. And I think sometimes it, it limits my ability to to move and do things sometimes, you know. And this is, um, I don't know if this almost sounds contradictory to everything that's that has been, the way that this interview has been going. But the reality of the matter is that I really am hard on myself. Like if I don't, if I get asked a question at a conference and I don't know it, I'm just like, I should have known that. You understand? How how could I not have looked up the requirements for this thing? Like, like obviously, you could have done better, you know. Like, obviously, you could have prepared for this. Why didn't you, you know? So I do tend to be very hard on myself. Uh, so I think my imposter syndrome is with me. <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. Now to an entrepreneur, a graduate, a student, anyone who's listening to this podcast, what 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 advice would you like to share? Take the opportunities, take them, because what I have learned is that I am a function today of everywhere I've been, everyone I've met, everything I've done, the negative and the positives. Um, especially the negatives because that's where I learned the most, especially the challenges because that's where I learned the most and, and, and built my personality um, and had a lot more talking points and, you know, participating in a variety of things and not limiting yourself whilst you feel like it might be counterintuitive is what the world of today wants. Yeah. You know, it wants people who are multifaceted. It wants people who are scientists and are in the lab, but at the same time understand the bottom line of a business and how it is they can get that business to meet its bottom line. So whatever conversation you can have with anyone, like Ebasin, Estimeleni, 
talk to people, learn, uh, be interested in other people more than you are in having other people be interested in you, you know. So for me, it's just take the opportunities, have all the chats, meet all the people, go to all the places you can go to. And um, and yeah, speak to everyone, the gogo, the whoever, just talk to people and perfect the skill of communicating because that's going to advance you in so many ways, in ways you'll never be able to imagine. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is an amazing lady by the name of Tulile Kanyile, a scientist, social entrepreneur and global speaker. And I'm happy to say my friend. <laughs> so we've got all her details and, and her bio on on, on the podcast blurb and on YouTube on the on the on the blurb at the bottom. Look her up, follow the work, um, research them if you're a sponsor, funder, donor. The amazing work they're doing with Gratuta will blow you away. Thank you, thank you so much for taking an hour out of your super busy day. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Thank you. That's it for today. If you like that podcast, show us some love and share it with your network. Once again, follow us on all of our social media platforms. Hashtag join us for tea. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Shout out to Joe Public for making this possible. Remember, Sisonke Rikaufela and Foster Njengom Zegezege.